Hey, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and I'm talking with Craig Campbell from craigcampbellseo.com. And Craig's had over 18 years of SEO experience. He's a world-class SEO speaker and a badass SEO. And in this podcast episode, Craig and I talk about what a silo actually is and how to use this to your advantage for a website you've either bought or that you're growing. And what we cover here in this silo or category and, and how to have our content be seen in Google on our site is a very controversial method that really, really works. We also talk about how to audit a website's content either before buying a website or after. We talk about how to do a link audit and why to maybe not always disavow every link and how that can be detrimental to your online business. We also talk about how you can create a great user experience on your website by not guessing, but instead actually using data. And then we talk about the top SEO tools Craig likes and recommends. And lastly, we talk about where and how first timers who are looking to learn SEO should start learning SEO. So this is such a valuable episode. I got so much value myself. I loved it and I'm sure that you're going to love it. But before we get stuck in this episode, before you even do SEO or buy a website business, make sure you learn how to do due diligence. Now you can get my due diligence framework, which a lot of people have been raving about. And this framework actually helps you to know what to look out for when you're buying a website business, including questions that you need to ask the seller of the business and everything that's involved with buying a business. So to get that, go to buying online businesses dot com forward slash free resources and you can get some other awesome free resources on that page there too now let's get stuck into this absolutely jam-packed valuable seo podcast do you want to start investing in websites but don't want to drop twenty thousand dollars or more on your first investment check out odys where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add odys done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.link forward slash Bob podcast to check out their great deals. That's odys.link forward slash B-O-B podcast. Link will be in the description too. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Buying Online Businesses podcast. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. So we're going to just dive straight in. We're going to roll up our sleeves and talk about the stuff that you live and breathe, Craig. And a lot of people that are listeners to this podcast episode, uh, not just this episode, but this podcast in general, sorry, is that our space of buying sites, a lot of people get started buying content sites and they hear these things are about what you need to do to either run a content website and what sort of SEO you need to do and produce great content. And one of the things that gets thrown around is creating a, a good silo structure for a content website it helps you get discovered in, in the search engines. But um, I wanted to ask you, you know, how do you adapt your content to be in silo? So you say if you buy an online business or a pre-existing content website, um, it's much like you probably do an audit on a site. How do you sort of look or audit the site and then work out how you can adapt the content that's already there to be in silos and then also add more to those specific 
silos or even yet what is a silo? <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously for anyone who doesn't know what a silo is, um, you know, obviously you've got your URL structure where you've got like domain.com. Then if you're going to sell, I don't know, handbags, you would have forward slash handbags, forward slash like red handbag or whatever. And that would be a keyword rich silo. Whereas a lot of people just do it off the root domain and they'll have your domain.com forward slash red handbags. Um, and there is no silo structure or category structure or whatever you want to call it. Um, in layman's terms. So a lot of websites you inherit. Um, as you say, these content websites and stuff that are for sale don't always start off with a silo structure. Um, and, you know, you, you inherit a bit of a problem with those. However, I'm going to be slightly controversial here and say I really don't, couldn't care less about silo structures on websites that have probably got a couple of hundred pages at most. Um, you know, I don't think they're hugely important um, at that level, but obviously if you're working with an e-commerce website or you're wanting to do the job 100% properly, then of course a silo structure and show them is best practice. However, many websites I have inherited have started off on the wrong foot and they've had a flat URL structure. Would I potentially go in and change that after it's been running for two or three years successfully? No, I want that website to keep making money. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to weigh up, do you go in and just rip everything up and do redirects and everything else? Or is the website really going to grow to a point where it would need a silo structure? Um, and the chances are it's probably not. Um, you know, if I'm buying one of these websites, I'm buying something that's maybe got 100 articles and I'll maybe go and add another 100, 200 articles to these websites and then flip them on. Um, you know, I have no intention of scaling them up, you know, to be multi-million pound websites or anything like that. That's something that's very hard to do. And I think when you're buying and selling websites, you're trying to get in and out at the right time where you can scale it up to a certain point and flip it on and then it becomes someone else's problem. So I don't get bogged down too much on it. I know a lot of guys who do similar things to me and they, they are very technical and very obsessed by having the right silo structure to the point where they'll go and lose money by fixing it all and you know these guys have got OCD and whatnot so is it hugely important to have that silo structure on a smallish website with a few hundred URLs? Absolutely not they can still work very very well so a bit of a an answer you probably weren't looking for um, but that's just the way I see it that's awesome. We love we love the controversial answers because you've got what's out there that's quite generic and and well known, and, and especially in SEO, it's it gets outdated pretty quick. Let's face it, that content and what people are teaching out there. I could have been teaching five years ago um, was great then, but we need to stay up to date, right? So uh, I really appreciate the just the being open about that now. When it comes to buying a website and you look at the silo structure and you say, all right, cool, it's got over 100 pages, around 200 pages, and you can see that they've got some main silos or we could call them main categories, why would you just leave it? Is it because you don't want to rip it apart and possibly cause damage to how the site's performing? And if you don't rip it apart, to grow this and build upon those silos, do you look at and do keyword research research 
to create content that is within alignment with those categories or silos? Is that how you would do it? Yeah, so pretty much like, you know, when I get a website um, and I don't want to rip up the, the current structure that's there, it's purely because I don't want to lose money, um, you know, and I think when you do start to do that, you could potentially take a dip in traffic. Um, so yeah, I've got to weigh up the options. Do I just overload this with content and links and, and you know, make it go from one grand a month to five grand a month and then flip it on? So that's the way I look at it. But when you inherit a website that's got the right silo structure, um, or even if it doesn't, you probably do want to potentially adjust that. I just personally don't. I don't think a silo structure is a big needle mover, <laughs> mm, so to mm. speak. You know, I've had a lot of websites that have got a flat URL structure. I don't see it being that important. It is best practice. But, of course, when I inherit a website um, or buy a website, I will be doing keyword research. I will be looking at tearing up some of the old content, tearing some of it down, merging some of the content, you know, because what you often do is find that people write content targeting the same bunch of keywords, which obviously runs into cannibalization and various other bits and bobs. But when you look at a website and you audit it and you go to something like Ahrefs and you see what the top pages are, even if you've got 100 blog posts or 200 blog posts, you probably find that 10, 20 of them actually drive traffic. Um, so you need to get rid of the dead wood or you need to improve upon the pages that are just not performing well so regardless of how good bad or indifferent the website you buy is there is going to be keyword research and also analyzing the current content it's not always about just adding new content can you do something else with a current piece of content can you add more uh, subheadings uh, to that content can you make that content go from ranking for 50 keywords to 500 keywords can you add faqs can you add all that kind of stuff so i think a lot of people become obsessed by you know loading up 100 new articles or 200 or 500 or whatever they're um, strategy might be but sometimes you've just got to look from within the website and see can I squeeze more out of this and again very often um, when you're buying websites at these places you know marketplaces or whatever the, the content's not that great it's not up to the mm. standards that I would expect and can I squeeze a lot more out of what's on there yes and that can mean merging two blog posts and putting them together and, you know, tweaking it slightly and maybe adding to it or refining it. So you have to look at all of these options um, to decide the best way forward. I totally agree with you, Craig. Like some of the sites are so heavily optimized just for SEO and the built out content and have got links and they've got some stuff on the page, I would call it. Uh, but like you said, it's just not very rich content and when you look at the other competing sites, their content is superior. So you talked about when you audit content, um, you know, you look at top pages in Ahrefs and then you can build upon the better ones and all that sort of stuff. What's involved in a, in a content audit? So say somebody has bought a site or even they're doing due diligence on a website, how would they start to or piece together at least an intermediate um, content audit? The best thing you can do when you're doing a content audit is compare the content on the website you're looking at to that of the top 10 competition or the guys that are on page one. And there's mm. tools out there like Surfer SEO, 
Page Optimizer Pro, um, SEMrush has got their SEO content template, and it will give you a guide as to whether your content's long enough, what semantically related keywords you're missing, subheadings that you could potentially add, uh, add on there, questions you could potentially add on there. So you can very quickly just run a few of the so-called top performing pages through a tool like that, and you'll be able to see, you know, whether your content is of the same quality of the guys who are winning. And at the end of the day, the guys who are on page one are the guys who are currently winning the battle for those search mm -hmm. terms. And why wouldn't you use that as a benchmark for your own website? So again, when it comes to content, I get people are always just looking for content writers and they'll say some blanket statement like, go and write me 100, 1,000, at least 1,000 word long articles, um, you know, and here's the keyword job done. Now, who the hell said it's a 1,000 keywords? Now, every single keyword has different levels of competition. Uh, so one article may be 700 words, another one may be 2,300 words, and that's where you get that average word count based on what the competition are doing. I like to make decisions on these things based on data and science, and essentially using these tools is what we're doing with that. So why would you, you know, ever, and we've all done it, blanket just go out and say to someone, go and write me 500 words on the best, you know, whatever cameras that are out there or whatever your target keyword might be. So mm. we've got to embrace technology and the data that's available to us. And so many people are still not doing that. You know, I do a lot of training and consultancy and I say to people, you know, tell me about your content strategy and how it's done. And they're like, yeah, just do some keyword research and then throw it out to some Filipino. Um, you know, then they slap it on the website with their affiliate links, job done. You know, that's a lot of people's content strategy. Can you do a lot more? Yes, there's a lot more underneath that. And, uh, you know, you look at some of these people and they've not even got good internal links. They've got nothing, you know, going for them. But they still do okay. They still do reasonably well. But... When I'm tackling a project, I don't want to do reasonably well. Um, I've got an underlying, um, probably an illness, if you like to call it that, to win. So I need to dominate on everything that I do. And that really does only happen if you go down to all the minute details. And it's no different from any other business. Businesses are successful based on the processes and how slick the system is and the level of data and the level of analysis and everything else that's put into anything. And that mm. is the same as a roof guy. You know, a guy installing a new roof has got underlying things under those slates that he has to fix and address before that roof becomes waterproof. And it's the same with a website. It's not a slapdash approach, what everyone thinks it should be. Um, and I'd love to say it was, but I think, you know, Google's days of ranking crappy little websites that are content heavy um, are long gone. You kind of gave half an answer to my next question there around uh, Google, what Google's going to rank anymore, because I just had a conversation with uh, Don Wells about this. And my opinion is that businesses like web content websites and people who are the business owners of these content websites actually need to uh, google is forcing them to be better business people 
and to use the data, uh, which is which is vital. Like the only way to grow is you can put a, a little bit of art and a little bit of creativity into it, but the main way is to grow is to look at the feedback and the data that's telling you what's working and what's not working, right? And I feel that yeah. the the data, the previous data is that everybody else is just creating a, a website and they're having a homepage, they're having an about page with an alias and a little bit of text, but you know, no like EAT and no re- building no real brand and they're just slapping a bunch of content together and um, maybe, you know, if you're lucky, purchasing a couple of links. Where do you see these types of businesses if they stay doing the same thing or people that start creating these businesses to sell, where do you see them being in the next sort of year to two years? I mean, I think we've already seen kind of an impact uh, with the, the December update that we just had in 2020 where lots of affiliate websites took a massive tumble. Now, there's much debate as to what, you know, what was going on, whether it was, you know, crappy content, crappy links or, or something else. Now, in my experience, you talk, you mentioned EAT. Now, EAT was obviously for the medic niche previously. You can't have some ropey, you know, guy in a, you know, in a dungeon somewhere writing medical advice. There has to be authority and trust <laughs> surrounding that alias or that person you cannot be given medical advice if you're not qualified obviously that was then stretched out to the your money your life type of industry um so anything that was going to impact your life um or your money investment advice things like that if you're not qualified then again this eat algorithm or whatever now obviously since then, you know, I've seen a lot of websites and they've taken a tumble and people are saying, oh, it could be the your money, your life thing and whatever else. I actually think Google has rolled more of that kind of authority thing um, across the board. And a lot of the websites that have absolutely tanked um, have no credibility, no author page, no PR no decent LinkedIn profile, crunch base, and all the other things that you would use to tick a box as being a credible source and a, an expert in that field. So people will often say to me, um, you know, who's winning? Who's come out of the traps winning? Um, and if you look at a website called mysticmag.com, that is someone who has built up an insane amount of authority They've literally authority jacked. So this is a psychic website and they've got a whole bunch of psychics who have got the authority and trust on Google and have basically had them in a podcast. So their authority jacking um, is what I would call it. And those guys, if you check that website out, have had amazing growth since the December update. <laughs> so that is where... And, and I've seen that not just in that, but that's just one example. I have seen that across the board multiple times. And if you're not an authority, you were slammed. And people may say, Craig, you're full of shit, you know, this, that, and the next thing. That is genuinely my idea of what that December update was done, uh, was about. And if you're going to continue to roll out crappy little websites that are content heavy and not put in the time to build a bit of credibility, authority, trust, and all of that stuff, then you, you ain't going to get it that easy anymore. You know, we've been fortunate enough 
for probably the last 10 years to be getting away with absolute murder, um, you know, in terms of jumping into Amazon affiliate and, you know, loading up crappy content and being paid for the privilege of having that. Um, but I think obviously now you have to dig a bit, little bit deeper. And as you say, treat it more like a real business. Um, and you should have been anyway, to be honest. You know, some people are making obscene amounts of money and they've still got a shitty about us page. Some some of them don't even have an about us page. You know, that's the worst thing. Um, so I think that's a big thing. Yeah, that's amazing, your explanation around that, like hacking into other authorities and, and using them as authors. Uh, you know, I, I just believe that maybe what's, you know, what has happened in the last sort of three years in a year or two, we'll be looking at that as black hat SEO. <laughs> like when you, you know, because back in the day, black hat is like keyword spamming basically, and which is definitely frowned upon now, which I can start to see the shift in that sort of type of website business be frowned upon. And let's face it, like it's a terrible user experience. How are you going to have somebody you, you your conversion rates are going to be lower right you you've got a website that people are going to and they're reading an article and we're like well do i actually trust the person who's even writing this like do they have any authority around you know what they're actually writing and and if so how much authority and i think you know that levels like google not that i'm an seo right because i'm i'm a i'm hacking your authority at the moment <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I feel that I feel that Google will be, you know, having already probably has those, those different levels of authority, which will help sites get ranked in in different tiers. There, um, talking about user experience, how much of you know how much of what you do is is related to user experience um, for the you know your clients, and if so, like what are some of the the things that you help your clients with to build some better user experience on their sites? I mean, every website, no matter what one you look at, could have a better user experience. Things change. Um, uh, but for me, people often overcomplicate it. You've got to try and make that user experience very simple and to the point. You know, if you come on a website, you don't need anything extravagant. You just need a simple guide to where you're going and purchasing or, or, or downloading something or whatever it might be. Um, so I, again, I think user experience, people go in depth and talk about, you know, all of these kind of crazy things. Um, I'm not a huge fan, as I said earlier, of making decisions based on hearsay or, or, or some random guy deciding what to do. There's enough tools and software like Hotjar and a whole bunch of other tools that you can use to actually get that answer. Um, you know, what's a good user experience for me might not ne necessarily be a good user experience for your type of customers in your country mm. and all that kind of stuff. So mm. I think, you know, making it simple and easy, but also, you know, use a common sense approach. You know, don't be scared to try different things out. 
but also use these heat maps because you can see where the bottlenecks are in your website if customers can't find this or can't find that or they're clicking on something and it's not working you know that becomes a problem um so you know i think you have to regularly look at this stuff and you've also got your analytics data and and various other things that can flag up potential problems you know if people are bouncing off the page very quickly you may want to look at that um you know very quickly and see you know, is there something on there that I'm missing? Is there something on there that people can't get or or whatever it might be? But again, that would all be hearsay until you use the heat maps to see what the actual user is doing. Um, but I'm a big believer in, you know, optimising everything that you can possibly do to make the user experience better. Um, you know, I see a lot of big companies um, changing their user experience for the worse. Um, and I think... You know, they're, they're, I don't know why people do that, but I think simplifying it and making it foolproof. I think us that work in the digital marketing industry overthink a lot of these things and think the users need to see this and need to see that. You know, 80% of anyone's users are guys that just browse the internet that don't really understand the internet. Um, and, you know, just making that simple, easy and to the point is all I would say. Have buttons... You know, make sure they're important. Make sure you encourage the, you know, person to scroll and see more text. You know, I've been dumbfounded and I've been in this industry for 18 years. I've went on certain websites and you're just like, there's no thought of user experience at all. You've got a big image plastered on there. I, I can't even see if, I'm, if there's content down there. You know, I'm forced to scroll and all that stuff. All of that stuff's bad. But, you know, I think uh, a lot of these basic things that you'll read out there, do make a lot of sense and there's not any kind of magic bullet when it comes to user experience i think it's just simple as i say and use data to to improve that and everyone needs that you know on their pages you know i've got crappy buttons on certain pages on my website and that's something I updated today actually you know the button was just crappy cheap looking um, and i wanted a better one on so it doesn't always have to be making wholesale changes to your page. Try different colors, try different shapes of buttons. It's just about capturing the person's eye and, and making that flow when they come onto a page be really easy. Um, and also, you know, when you're capturing data, you don't need to capture their life story and stuff like that. You know, that's a bad user experience. You know, <laughs> how many times have you came to a website and you're just like, fuck, you know, to download this, free guide to something you know I've, i'm giving them you know pretty much everything including my bank details and you know photos of my passport and stuff that's not a good user experience so yeah uh, you just need to dull it down a bit you don't need listen data in our industry is so important you know so you could retarget people and do all of this stuff but make it easier for people man that's you, you don't need all of that stuff yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Thanks for that answer. It's so cool. And talking about like, you know, having a, a site that's simple and you talked about colors and makeup not looking cheap, but like if you just stick to like congruency of your brand and have like two to three colors max throughout your site instead of like the full on rainbow, you, unless that's your brand, like it's going to make the, the user experience better because they're going to be like, well, this this page is very similar to the other page and they know the feeling they have when they're on your actual page and that can build trust because they know that they're you're yeah. in that little 
you're in that bubble, you're in that room. Um, that's what I find with with my sites, and I've changed. You know, I've bought some pretty dog-eared, scrappy-looking websites that have decent content, and just with the site design and, and better user experience, it makes the whole feel just amazing. Now, I want to talk about links here. Now, links is a big subject for SEOs and for people that are buying sites. And one thing that comes up a lot in our community is uh, auditing links and doing due diligence on links and making sure that there's not too many spammy links and all that sort of stuff. So how, like, what's the simplest version you would take when you're going to do a link audit on a site? And then how would you go about removing those spammy backlinks? So <laughs> uh, spammy backlink. So if you take a look at my own personal backlink profile just now, um, just put in craigcampbellseo.com for anyone listening, you will see that someone has slammed a million spammy backlinks at my website per month for the last six months. Now, you can see the anchor text. You can see that they're outrageously spammy. Now, I can audit my backlinks using something like SEMrush or link research tools or, or a similar tool and they will tell you that these are toxic links um, and that I potentially should be disavowing these. I think, you know, there's a lot of debate on people, you know, I know certain guys in the industry who say just disavow all the garbage, job done. Now, you've got other people who say I would never disavow anything. I'm not giving Google any data at all. Um, you know, and, and Google will also state things like they can kind of find out or they can kind of suss out what's crappy, um, and just basically filter it out. So there's a, the whole bunch of information when it comes to this that's out there. Now, it is in my belief, uh, and through my own personal testing that disavowing does actually work. Um, very well, you know, if I, you know, disavow some crap, I tend to see the, the needle moving upwards. You know, if someone's hitting you with that garbage, it's got to have an impact. Now, Google will say they can't, they, you know, that can't work and negative SEO isn't a thing and, you know, all of these statements. Um, but I do believe that, you know, you have to keep on top of it. You know, if, if someone's throwing mud at your windows, you're going to clean them up, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing. Someone's throwing mud at my website and I'm going to clean it up. That, that That's it. Um, you know, and, and submitting a disavow file to make sure that Google doesn't penalize me for any of those dodgy backlinks is something I want to do. Now, a lot of you might not be in a position where someone's going to just, you know, randomly send a million links at your website. However, you know, you may have employed a dodgy backlink builder. You may have, you know, I don't know. You know, there's a number of different reasons why you would have crap links pointing at your website. I think it's good practice to regularly run site audits. Personally, I think the same rush link auditing tool is good. However, they are same rush give you scores based on the toxicity of that link. And sometimes... There's links in there that I know are not toxic, but are being flagged up as toxic because of the anchor text that's been used or because of the position of the link on the website. You know, if it's in a footer or in a sidebar, they deem that suspicious um, and potentially flag that as, as toxic. So when you do an audit using any of these tools, you manually have to double check 
that these are toxic um, because you can't blindly just rely on these tools to to do all of that stuff for you. So it's very, very important. You know, here, here's a, a situation. So I had a friend probably about six months ago who felt or read somewhere that you should disavow crappy links. Now, this person just went out and pretty much disavowed 70% of their links um, and it was an affiliate website. And their rankings dipped massively. Now, here is the, the other thing here. If you disavow... So a lot of these spammy links may still give you a bit of power. How much power is up to anyone's real guess? But, you know, some of that spam can work. So you need to also be careful that you don't just disavow everything all at once because some of that stuff for now might be passing some power to your website. So what I would tend to do is look at it disavow something and try and replace that with better links and then disavow again, replace with more links and so on. Do not just blanket go out and disavow everything because a tool tells you to do so. Also look at links and say, nah, 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 that is relevant. Now, there's also this other debate. What is a good link? For me, I want a link from a relevant website that has traffic and has rankings and it doesn't have... 100,000 other outbound links, you know, or, mm -hmm. or, or a million outbound links. So there's certain things, you know, what's a good link? I think Google have swayed more towards relevance over the years. Um, so if you're disavowing and you've got something that's semi-relevant, but it's flagging up as toxic, I would potentially leave that and move and get rid of the, the Chinese spam and, you know, other non-relevant stuff to your niche before you do anything else. Mm, amazing. Yeah, links is a great topic to discuss because every link is very subjective to, like you've said, that the power of the link can be that it doesn't like it doesn't look good with the anchor text, but it's it's relevant and it's driving traffic. Maybe it just doesn't have a high DR, but you're getting a bunch of traffic, and that traffic is making you sales and revenue from either ads or affiliate links. And a lot of people may see like, well, the anchor text is wrong and the DR is low. Of course, this is spam. See you later. But they don't understand more about like that. You could see that that's actually driving money. <laughs> if it's driving traffic and it's relevant, that stands for a lot more than DR. People become obsessed yeah. with things like DR. DR is mm -hmm. just an Ahrefs metric. Google don't take that into consideration. So, you know, it's good as a, a personal metric to look at because you get an understanding of how powerful something is. And obviously a DR10 or a DR50, I want a DR50. But if you offered me a DR10 that was super relevant or a, a randomized DR50, I would always go for the more relevant one. Um, so that's just my opinion on that. But I agree with you, though. Like, my opinion is that DR is a vanity metric which is similar to the amount of subscribers somebody may have on either Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. Like if, if that, you know, you've got a high DR and you're getting very little traffic and the site's not making much money, the DR means nothing. It's the same if you've got a YouTube channel or an Instagram account that's got a bunch of subscribers or followers, but the actual YouTube or the uh, Instagram account is getting very little engagement, that means that's not going to make much money. So what's it's just a vanity vanity metric, right? That's my opinion of it. Exactly. And that's how I, I correlate it. So 
We talked a lot about tools. I want to ask you about tools. Um, you've dropped so many, and I'm just going to have these massive show notes of links of the ones that you've dropped. But what would you say are your sort of top five SEO tools that you'd use and recommend for, for people owning content sites? Um, so SEMrush is the first one. Um, I use that for keywords, auditing, backlink analysis, a full suite of tools there. Second tool would probably be Page Optimizer Pro. It's very similar to Surfer, but I've used Page Optimizer Pro since the early days and I don't want to change. I just like the, I like the layout and everything else. They're all amazing tools, but Page Optimizer Pro is my favorite tool for content auditing. I also like, um, site bulb and um, now again it's it it can do auditing internal links and, and and you know a whole bunch of other stuff you know whilst the same rush tool is great for auditing site bulb has other aspects of it that i think are, that they're better at and you know the nice internal linking graph and you know it that's a proper auditing tool site bulb so that would have to be number three anytime i do an audit i always do same rush and site bulb just as a comparison to see, you know, what SEMrush flag up and what SiteBulb flag up. And I think if I cover both of them, then I'm probably doing a reasonable job. Another tool, SEO Autopilot, which is an automated link building tool that builds Web 2.0s and various other bits and bobs. Now, a lot of people are going to be going, <gasps> whoa, um, why is he saying that? Um, you know, obviously, when it comes to getting links, you can power up those links with Web 2.0s and a bunch of other stuff to, to you know, if I get a... a, a a link on, you know, entrepreneur or whatever it might be. I may want to send some power to that as well, just to juice it up or whatever. So I think SEO Autopilot as an automated link building tool is a great tool. Another tool that has been around for many years that I still use daily would be Scrapebox. Um, you know, in terms of scraping up data, um, you know, this tool costs you 97 bucks, one-off fee, um, and being able to scrape emails, keywords, URLs. You, you, there's so much things you can scrape. It's just an amazing scraper. Now, it used to be used for spam, filling out people's contact forms and blog comments and all that stuff. So a lot of people associate it with that. But we all want to scrape things from the internet. And whether that's scraping something from the Wayback Machine or scraping whatever, then I think if you know how to use Scrapebox properly, then you're doing a very good job. But again, there's so many other tools in this industry depending on your angle into SEO. You know, there's loads of mass page builder tools if you want to do mass page spam, you know, if you like a bit of black cat stuff. <laughs> so there's so many tools for different things out there. Um, but those are the kind of top five generic tools that everyone can use that that's not, you know, going to get you into too much bother so i'll stick with them but as i say there's a heap of other tools that do certain things that that you know i quite like i like the black cat side of things and i'm not going to lie um so i'll stick with those five for now no, that's great i think it's um what you said is important is that if somebody buys a content site and they can add value to it in the form of creating great content and that they just stick to that or just link building, they stick to that or, you know, even CRO and they stick to that. Either of those three um, methods is going to require a certain tool or a better tool that may be better for that particular method. So 
each to their own with the tools. I agree with that. That. Um, lastly, I want to ask you, say somebody's about to buy a content website or they've just bought a content website and wants to start like getting their foot in the door with learning a little bit of SEO, where should they start as a, as a beginner? I mean, I think um, YouTube is, is a great place um, to, to start. You know, there's a great amount of people out there putting out some really good content. Um, what I would say to anyone starting to learn, a lot of the courses and stuff that are out there, and I'm not saying this for every course provider, but a lot of courses are sold selling you some method that no longer works or is about to stop. Um, so buying yep. these courses is not always your best option. Now, that doesn't mean not every course is great. There's some people with amazing courses that do amazingly well, but be careful what you buy. Also, be careful who you follow. Um, a lot of people will tell you, they, they will appear to be honest, but they've got some ulterior sales pitch coming in after it. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen in this industry and a, a, and a lot of conflicting information and a lot of other stuff. What I would say is go out, listen to a few people and try and watch a handful of guys. And if you believe they know what they're doing, watch their podcasts, listen to their webinars, um, watch their YouTube channels and whatnot. Um, and then you can start to follow these people about. They may be speaking at events that are local to you. Um, I think networking is hugely important, you know, surrounding yourself with people in a similar um situation to yourself and ask questions and networking I think is really important but I think a lot of the problems we've got when people are learning is the the it takes them five years to even begin to learn what they're doing because they've been misled or you know they go down a path of no return um and you know that that's just the sad nature of this game people just do spit out garbage um and as I say not everyone but you just need to try and figure out who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And, uh, you know, also try what people say. And I include some of the stuff that I say. You know, if I say something, go away and try it. And if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, then you may, might have not done it properly. But do your own testing. Do not just blanket believe everything that anyone says. You know, test it. And, and, and that's the massive importantly, important thing is do your own testing and you will learn so much from doing that. Yeah, I agree with testing absolutely everything. I don't just test things that I do in business, but I test everything, little thing that I do in my life to, to make sure it's it's not just about performance, but it's about having a better life and, and enjoyment as well and fulfillment with testing. So I, I totally agree with you. There's a lot of stuff out there that is old, and people will have a great face to their business at the start and then they'll have an ulterior motive and it's it is sad to see because i get a lot of people who go away craig and they they try to start an online business because there's a bazillion people teaching you how to start an online business and make money and and, and all that sort of stuff and then they'll come back to me with their tail between their legs and like it's so hard to start a business so can i just you know i can see that you've got so many people that have bought businesses um, and they're just really happy that they've found a method that is simpler than starting a business just to get online. And But that's another story for another day. I want to talk about what you mentioned about YouTube. 
YouTube has some great SEOs on YouTube and, and go away and check out different people's uh, content. But first, the first place that you need to go is to Craig's channel. I checked out your channel uh, the other day, Craig, and it's amazing. You've got a bunch of subscribers. You've done really, really well, and the content is top-notch, guys. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to make sure you go away, and, and that's the first place that you should go on YouTube for SEOs. Check out Craig's channel. But Craig, where else can everybody go to uh, check out more of your content? So you can find most access to everything I've got from craigcampbellseo.com. Um, I do try and put out content on Clubhouse, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok, Facebook. Um, I've got a private Facebook group as well where I regularly do Q&A sessions with the people that are in that group. You know, I, I like to give back to the community and to, to rookies, if you like, and answer any kind of uh, basic question. Because I know a lot of guys out there are scared to ask questions in case they're shot down um, and various things. And again, I've, I've been in their shoes, um, as you have, you know, starting out in online business. It's a, a scary world. And, and sometimes, you know, you're, you're pinching yourself going, you know, should I be here and um, things like that. But you've got to have a place to ask someone questions and uh, I try and make my private Facebook group that place, you know, where you can see what is SEO, what the hell is a title tag, uh, <laughs> whatever you want and uh, not be laughed at or ridiculed for asking it. And, and, you know, it, there's a lot of advanced people in there as well. So um, it's not all rookie stuff, but it's a, a good mixed bag of people and, and a lot of people trying to get into affiliate marketing because I've done that for a number of years and uh, so there's a good mix of content across all of the, the platforms that I uh, play about on. So check me out there and check out my website and you'll get links to them all anyway. All right, cool. We'll link to your website in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on, Craig. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It has been a pleasure. Now, for everybody listening, thank you also for listening to the show. Now, before you go, I want you to think of two to three people who are either thinking about getting into online business or about to buy a content website or own a content website. Think about two to three people that are in that boat and share this podcast episode with them because there is seriously an amazing amount of SEO value that Craig dropped in this episode and people need to know about Craig and his content because it is amazing. So please share this podcast episode with them. And of course, it's gonna help grow the Bob podcast but the main thing is the knowledge that's in this. So thanks again for listening and I'll speak to you on the next episode.